What's up, everybody? It's Kato, and this is the third episode of the the Good and the Bad podcast, and it is called Commitment to Relationship. Before I get into what we're going to talk about today, I just wanted to share with you guys that I still really get nervous podcasting, sitting down and letting my roommate hear me across, like, across the wall because you know, I still get nervous about that stuff. I don't want her to hear me. So Lauren, if you ever listen to this, I still get tripped up about this random stuff because I don't want to sound stupid, but I do it anyways. Um, also, I met a dude at the gym today who's going to start a Korean barbecue in San Francisco. And that just fired me up so much because I'm all about the dreamers who move from 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 Dallas, Texas to San Francisco to build on a dream with your cousin who's from New York. And that's, that's fucking awesome. Okay, let's get into this. So today's episode is called Commitment to Relationship. And it's gonna be about my mom. I have worked through a lot of stuff with my mom. And the goal of this episode is to help you with your relationships, whether your family, your friends, or your significant others, I named this episode Commitment to Relationship because it takes a lot of time and effort and patience to make something work between you and another person. And in this case, it's my mom. So when you're listening to this episode, I want you to think about the people in your life that you want to be better for, the people in your life where you want to change in your dynamic and relationship. Maybe it's to be more open, to be more expressive, or you just want to be closer. Um, I'm going to go through the mindsets that I had to adopt to change the relationship I had with my mom. Um, And this episode goes over the story of how I changed her over the course of four years. So a lot of you guys may may know my mom, may know my mom on my IG. Her name's Lee Too Fo, hashtag Lee Too Lit, Lee Too, hashtag Lee Too Fo, hashtag Lee Too Fo kicking Kato's ass. Um... You, you know, like a lot of my friends know my mom and uh, it, it wasn't always this way. It always, it never, it wasn't always all sunshine and rainbows and we actually didn't have a very good relationship growing up. You know, my mom taught me a lot of things and the reason why I want to do this episode is I want to commemorate, commemorate all the progress that we've made and also honor the person that she is. As I was saying, my mom, she taught me a lot of things. She raised me to be mindful, meditative. Yes, meditative. I'm, I'm a modern Titya Khan motherfucker. Um, and compassionate. For those of you who don't know, Titya Khan is a woke-ass monk. And alongside this, through her whole entire survival experience of being a boat person from Vietnam, she taught me what hard work and surviving looks like. And... Ingrained in how I was raised up was survivor mentality. And survivor mentality is this mentality that is fueled by fear and stability. So you're always striving to reach a certain point so that you're okay. And while that worked really well for my mom because that was just her life and her narrative, that really didn't work for me when I was trying to assimilate to a society where a lot of other people had those privileges. So 
survival mentality is good for hard work and toughing things out and getting you where you need to be. It teaches, it taught me tenacity and grit, but what it didn't teach me was how to have good relationships. So I'm an Asian American male and every single word in that phrase is supposed to label me in society as someone who's not accepted for expressing my feelings, hardship, and emotional work with the relationships and struggles in my life. But this is the exact damn reason why I'm doing this, because I'm reframing it live for you guys to listen to. I think it's an important topic, whether you're Asian or not, whether you're American or not, whether you're male or not. Mental health is super important and making sure that you take steps towards improving the way that you express yourself is really important to me. And how to have a good relationship with the most important person to me. So at my point in my life right now, ever since I was 22 until now, the one thing that I really wanted to work on being better with was expressing myself and learning how to navigate through feelings and Letting others know that I need help or support and giving the same type of support system to them. And what I've realized this year is that it's my life's work up until this point and probably onwards is to teach those around me how to be better with expression. And realizing that the opportunity that my mom gave me was something that she was never allowed to do her whole life. My mom did not have a dad. She only had my grandma. And in Asian culture, they teach you to be emotionally guarded, to throw things under the rug, to tough it out, and to be ashamed of weakness. And so, of course, she instilled these values into me. But what it never taught us how to do was to be closer as a mother and son when that's that's the core of what just love and having a good relationship is. So the reason why I'm doing this episode is I want to show you guys and tell you guys the story of over the past four years, what did I have to do to reframe the relationship I had with my mom growing up? Because growing up, I actually did not like my mom at all. I resented her a lot. And it took a lot of work to be the bigger person, to empathize and understand where my mom came from, to understand that she was doing the best that she could as a survivor, and that my ability to ponder, to think about feelings, to think about how to teach someone else how to express better is a privilege. And so it's my work now to do those things for her and... That's what this episode's about. So again, you're going to hear themes of letting down pride, vulnerability, being patient, empathy, and just being the change that you want to see in the relationship. And those are the things that I had to really embody to make this relationship work. And obviously a relationship is a two-way street, but it's it's on you and it was on me to take that initial step because realizing it is definitely worth it and it can't be about being emotionally guarded because that's what didn't make it work in the first place. So I had to persevere through all this knowing that for four years this person was going to deflect me. 
it just so it just so happened to turn out to be four years. I didn't know how long it was gonna take. So we're gonna jump right into this. Uh, I'm gonna tell you about first my mom's story so that you understand the powerful and badass woman that she is. What that made her as a person, how that impacted me growing up, and how I decided to change all this for the better. Today, I don't got my right-hand man, my right-hand man, Alex Wong. <laughs> he is in SoCal today, so I'm going to be running this episode all by myself, and we're going to see how it goes. So we're going to talk first about my mom's story. I think it's going to be really important for you guys to understand just how much of a badass she is, what does it mean to be a boat person, and through this life experience, how did that affect her parenting style and her values? Um, a lot of the times our parents raise us up a certain way because they don't know any better. They're just trying to do the best that they can. And it's a huge accumulation of their life experience. So yeah, I'd also preface and say that there's a lot of motherfucking boulders above me right now because I'm recording and they're doing construction in my office. So if you hear any background noise, it's just part of the experience. Okay, guys, thank you for listening. All right, so my mom's story, my mom... You know, my mom grow. My mom's a boat person, and she grew up in a war-torn country in Vietnam, where, in in just two blocks down the road, on any given day, she just a bomb would drop, and just boom, another one like that, and it'd just be like, that's how life was, and it's just very symbolic for me to talk about how I'm 25 right now and where she was when she was 25. Our phases in life were just very, very different. And, you know, my mom's older sister and uh, younger siblings got sponsorship to go to France before her. So at the fall of Vietnam in 1975, they got sponsorship to go to France. And it was just my mom and my grandma left behind. Maybe other few other relatives. But the long story short is my mom was left behind. And she had to escape by herself because my grandma had to stay back to just hold down the fort. And at 25, my mom packed it up and left. She was a fresh graduate out of pharmacy school. Uh, she grew up with just my the, the sisters and my grandma. She didn't have a dad. And just at 25 years of age, she packed it up and left. And it wasn't as easy as just packing up your bags and... Uh, flying to another place to soul search and do the shit that you want to do today, it was, motherfucker, you got to leave or you're going to die. <laughs> and so she basically a- attempted to escape three times and she failed two to three times. And luckily, she- it wasn't being caught by the communists. She just failed and had to go back. And on the third time when she was escaping, the process took three days She was hiding in motherfucking bushes for three nights straight. Um, Just imagine hiding in some big-ass bush, hoping that a communist wouldn't come by and shoot you. That's what she had to go through. 
So just imagine leaving behind all your favorite food places, your family, your friends, the In-N-Out, the fucking pizza, Korean barbecue. This is all the shit that I love. But for her, probably like pho, baluk black, all this motherfucking shit. She left it and just knew that she's going to get on this boat, not know where she's going to go, but she was going to go somewhere else. And which brings me to my next point. She got on a boat that was supposed to be maybe 40 capacity. And they stuffed 120 fucking people on there, which is gross. And it was like Jenga. They would stack you up crisscross like that. And the conditions were brutal. She was at sea for six to seven days. And if someone needs to take a leak or take a dump, then there's really nowhere to go. The person below you just absorbs all that shit. So whenever I think about... I just check myself whenever I think about my hardship now or something that I am not just something that I'm bitching about. It could be a lot worse. Like, like it could be shit on your face worse. And it's just my mom was on this boat for six days and she could have died. But she prayed to probably thousands of Buddhas. But she always tells me the story. There was one Buddha, <laughs> one powerful ass Buddha, the powerfulest Buddha ever. The Buddha it sees. The name is, um, shit, I forgot. I'm a bad Buddhist. But the Buddha, this Buddha, I believe this Buddha saved my mom. And on the seventh day, on the seventh day, a ship pulled them over. And thank God, thank Buddha, that it wasn't a private ship. This boat tugged them into Malaysia, and that's where they settled in their refugee camp. And the refugee camp, this next part in her journey, was nine months. Um, The living conditions were really poor. The government was really selfish, and the UN was kind of fucked they weren't be they weren't able to get their funds through to malaysia because the government was really corrupt and so all these vietnamese refugees on the coast were on the beach only got a can of rice a day and a can of sardines that was their diet for about nine months so that really effed up a lot of the refugees uh, because a lot of them got hives my mom got really itchy it was just poor living conditions and you think about like the boat trip that she was already on a lot of people died here there a lot of people continue to die on the beach and there's just some brutal ass fucking times to keep her spirits up (laughs) you know she used to tell me this one story about the coconut man like the the coconut man so (laughs) coconut man was this old dude that would sleep under a coconut tree every single day And then, God forbid, this one day, the coconut fell off from the tree, landed on his head, and he died. (laughs) And he died. Um, And that's really fucked up for me to be laughing at. But these are the things that my mom had to humor herself with to keep herself level-headed across all the bullshit that was happening. Eventually, she, she made it to America, and America is a whole different beast When she got to America, this is when she really, really started fresh. And this is when it was really, really scary because y'all listening, just imagine you being dropped into Russia today, 
not knowing the language, not having any money, not having any family, and figuring out how to make yourself, how, figuring out how to make it work in this country that you have no affiliation with. And that's what she had to do. So that's part one of badassery. Part two is just America and how she conquered her territory and how she just built a life for herself, myself, and the people around her. So my mom, throughout her whole entire career, I'd say she's had more than 10 jobs. It blows my mind that at the age of 26, she came over here, went back to school on some government loans, and came out as first a researcher. She got um, a science degree. Then she was a lab tech. Then she chased the money and hopped on being a loan officer. She was a real estate agent. She was also um, a house flipper. She was an ass whooper. She whooped my ass a lot. And then ultimately she retired as a pharmacist. Uh, She had her own privately owned pharmacy in Santa Ana where she spoke Spanish to all the Mexicans and all the white people and all the Vietnamese people to make ends meet. Linda Vista Pharmacy, una cucharita, tres veces al día, poquito. That's what she say every fucking day. (laughs) So, yeah, I forget what it means. But, uh... Something she'd also say in Vietnamese, which also basically means, I'm going to beat your ass, you dog. And a dog in Vietnamese is basically a derogatory term for a kid that's up to no good. <laughs> and uh, if I didn't eat my rice, she'd be like, so basically that means if you don't eat this bowl of rice, you're going to go to hell. And whenever you try to eat this bowl of rice, it's just going to catch on fire. You're never going to be able to eat, motherfucker. So you better eat right now. And so, uh, yeah, I did eat it. And then I ran to the trash can and threw up. And that was the last time she ever tried to force feed me. <laughs> but yeah, that was growing up with my mom. My mom was... And is still a very independent woman. She's very A-type. All of her sisters are extremely A-type. And that was the environment that I grew up in. Um, there was not really uh, a male figure in my life growing up. The only male figure was my godfather, Bully, And I love him to death, but he's a pushover. He is a pushover and he's empathetic. Um, but my growth as an individual trying to figure out how to navigate... Um, my own type of guidance growing up as a dude was really self-driven by me and all the mentors that I chose, in addition to my mom playing both roles. My mom divorced my dad when I was two years old. She packed her bags up and just left in the middle of his workday, and my aunt and cousin helped her move down. She went from NorCal to SoCal with basically no network left all her connections and built herself from this built herself from the ground up like built herself up from scratch and so how this affected me growing up was through her parenting style of this survivor mentality and again survivor mentality is based off fear and stability you're always trying to do 
everything you can so that you can make it because you're just trying to stay afloat. There isn't really a luxury yet. And even when you kind of hit at a time where you make it, quote unquote, you still have this inherent insecurity in you and you're always just trying to survive. You never really know how to enjoy yourself and you're always trying to instill these values of security into your kid. And this is what I was raised up with. And this didn't really work well for me because it really prevented me from connecting with others because I never really knew how to have a conversation because my dinners at home were always like, hey, did you eat enough? How was school? And repeat that like four or five more times and here's another plate of food. But that was just the best that she could do. She shows her love through her actions and she doesn't really know how to have that other kind of conversation because she didn't even have time to assimilate to American culture. So looking back on it, I don't blame her at all. But growing up, I was definitely a little bit resentful because she didn't let me go to some birthday parties that I really wanted to go to. She didn't really let me hang out. And I definitely had like a nine o'clock curfew, even if I could go out. So this is, by the way, high school. And then in college, she also tried to put that curfew on me. So growing up, there was that whole social aspect that really kind of messed me up too. Um, and then there was just, there's this one memory of when, when I was a really young kid, she called me egotistical and said that I was exactly like my dad. And that really stuck with me and it really messed me up because this is a person that she painted out to be a really bad person. And she was telling me that I was exactly like him, even though I had no idea what the fuck she was talking about. So telling me that at a very young age, I believe made me very hyper self-conscious about how I carried myself around with others because I didn't want to come off as this type of person. Um, And so just going off of that, there's a motherfucking ambulance outside. Okay. And going off of that, there are just other times when you know, in high school, I wish I had the investment to learn the things that I, to do the hobbies that I wanted to play the drums, but I was forced to play piano and violin and understand that this is a really big privilege for me to say these things. But the way that I was raised up was very cookie cutter and formulaic. It was a stable path to a prestigious quote unquote doctor medical career so that I could have stability, prestige, and to give back quote unquote all this facade that it's good for others. You take care of others. It's compassionate and you preaching this gospel that doesn't even make sense versus actually helping me understand what my interests are. And taking a step back now, I understand because This is the best that she knew. She didn't have an opportunity to think about what she wanted to do. She wasn't able to think about purpose, how to build relationships, and she just didn't have the time for that. So I don't blame her at all. But as a younger Kevin, a more immature Kevin, this was something that I really did not jibe with. And I didn't know how to express it. Because I didn't know how to express. I didn't know how to say this to my family members, to my friends, 
to my mom herself, and as a result, I always kind of felt isolated growing up. So I think this will transition nicely into how I adopted different mindsets to be better with the relationship um, that I had with my mom. And, you know, I'll just say like a quick story. My mom used to always say that she didn't want to be a burden to me. And imagine as, you know, the kid who really wants to give back to my mom and my family, you always getting a backhanded comment like, oh, yeah, we don't want to be a burden to you. Oh, you don't have a stable job. You don't understand what it's like to come from where we are from. And it it's pretty twisted. And you know, on a recent trip that I went to Colorado with my mom, we had a heart to heart. And she was saying that, you know, growing up, uh, raising me up, she didn't even want to allow herself to be able to rely on me one day. So she set the expectation for herself very early on that she was going to be independent. When, when I grow up, no matter how I turn out, she'll be independent financially, emotionally, and just her own person. Because what if her son grows out to be a really bad person, but motherfucker, I'm awesome. (laughs) And uh, what if I grew up to be a bad person who was very selfish, only cared about his friends or whatever it was in his mind that his her son wouldn't give back to her in the way that she would have hoped. So that just goes to say how deeply rooted a survival mentality protects you because you are so ingrained in looking out for yourself and you don't want to even you don't want to fail and you don't want to deal with disappointment. So what she set up for herself and all those backhanded comments she gave me growing up was blocking herself from the potential of having a good relationship with me because if she hoped that I would turn out good and I didn't turn out good, then she would be really hurt. And for her to tell me that in this recent trip, that was so huge because it just goes to see how deeply rooted this stuff goes. And a lot of the times, you know, extrapolating this to a friend, a significant other, or someone in your family who doesn't express really well, a lot of people have their their desires and what they want with another person, but they they can't express it really well or they don't even have the courage to say it. So what I'm trying to say here is my mom's a very stubborn person. She lives her wife a certain way all of her life, and she's also extremely emotionally guarded, but my vision to having a better relationship with her was to be vulnerable, to let her know that I love her, and to know that she's going to deflect me and also brush it off and not reciprocate any of that. But on the flip side of everything that I was willing to endure was a good relationship. So it just takes a lot of fucking work. And, you know, I got another crazy example where... There's a point in her life where she had the potential of having breast cancer and uh, there was another point in her life where she actually had hepatitis C and the just the way that she handled the delivery of the news of both of these sicknesses was just really nonchalant. Um, again, like this the way that she mentioned it was something on the lines of, hey, Kevin, I 
I think I have a tumor. Or for hepatitis, she would say, I have hepatitis. I'm probably going to die really, really soon. I'm trying to get an injection to get it fixed, um, but we'll see. But during these two periods of time when she had these sicknesses, she would always fall victim to this really negative mentality where she would say, oh, I'm going to die soon anyways. Like if we ever got into a fight, she'd be like, oh, well, I'm going to die soon anyway. So um, that's great of you to, to say those things to me. And how do you think, like as, as a son, like how do you think that feels when your mom uses that as a trump card to end an argument? So these are a lot of the things that I had to work through in terms of what the fuck, like, what makes a person this way to the point where they're so guarded and they don't even want the support from their own son um, to the point where they're completely victimizing themselves and letting them, like, burn up by themselves. Fortunately, she was able to get cures for both of those, um... But it was just still some really hard emotional work to to get through when I was trying to be there for my mom, but she was deflecting it. And that's just kind of the Asian mentality in my household. So really trying to be different and going against everything that I was raised up to be was difficult, but I knew it was necessary because my mom is super important to me as you guys know but I also just wanted to talk about how I use life coaching to help my mom rewire the way that she viewed her life post-retirement and to focus on what's important so in life coaching the first thing that you think about are your values and what's important to you because your values become your guiding compass and help you make decisions when there's a bunch of shit that's in front of you, whether if that's a job, a relationship, a life pivot, whatever that is, when you spend some time to think about what you value, then it becomes a lot more clear. And it sounds super abstract, so let me tell you how my mom and I did it. There was about two months ago when I was back at home with my mom, and we realized that we would have had to drop 30 Gs to fix the house. And that's a fuck ton of money. And so she was like, you know, Kevin, I I want to pull out the 30 G's and I, I've just been thinking about this for the past like eight months. I don't, it's going to put me in kind of like a tough situation, but it, it's just stressing me out so much. And I asked her, well, well, why? That's a lot of money. Like we can think about some other things here. And she said she needed to, she needed to fix the house so that she could eventually sell it so that she wouldn't lose the monetary value of it. Okay, so that was the first thing. But then I took a step back and was like, well, wait a minute, mom, you're retired. And the house that you live in right now is actually a house that you completely love. Like, why would you want to sell this thing? And she told me she wanted to sell it because she wanted to get the money. She wanted to downgrade to a smaller house um, and live in a place that was a little bit like definitely subpar. So where I'm coming from in this situation is that I want my mom to retire comfortably. I want her to have good health. I want her to be able to embrace her hobbies and do all the good things that she wants to do. But she's caught up on this monetary thing of, around flipping a house when 
she doesn't need to flip the house. She told me she told me earlier in the year that this is the house that she would like to retire in because she loves it so much. But now that the house is kind of a little messed up, well, pretty messed up, and because like the soil the soil's fucked up or something like that, she said that she wanted to fix this really quickly so that she could have a peace of mind. So I took a step back and I was like, well, mom, I think we can spend this money a little bit better. And um, I I just, without telling her, I I coached her a little bit. (laughs) So I asked her like, hey, mom, like what? So now that you're retired, I want you to just let me know, like, what are the things that you actually care about? And she told me that she cares about her health. You know, she's always complaining about her legs being way too weak. She cares about me and family. She cares about having a peace of mind. And she cares about traveling. Um, And then there was something around there with, like, new hobbies and things like that. So then I took a step back and I wrote down my values, too. And one of those values was fam. And I told her, like, look, mom, like, we both value family. And something I didn't notice you say was money and the things that you value so money is really just something that makes all the other things possible but we're in a place now where i think that we can spend it this thirty thousand a lot better if you pumped it into family time we could travel more together we can take this money invest it in your house so that you can actually fix your leg and um if you're planning on retiring in this house eventually well, we can really just see if we can patch up this a little bit and and see if it's actually as disastrous as you think it is. This stress that my mom had around the house, around the 30,000, took up about probably six months of her, six months of this year of her mental space. And that's really hard for me to deal with because I'm up here in San Francisco and I'm doing my thing and my mom's down there just stressing out about this financial situation when really what it takes is to reframe how you look at it. So that was a really powerful moment because I was able to help her realize that money was her measure of success up until retirement. And, you know, through flipping houses and all those things, she had a lot of loss and a lot of her identity and pride was associated with that. And I helped her realize that, you know, that's not who you are now. Like who you are now is who you want to be. And so let's work at, let's work on building that. That was huge because we, we realized that we can spend that money for the better. Um, and then the next thing with life coaching is being an accountability partner for each other. So I just hit her up and I told her, yo, you need to send me a picture every single day that you gym it. And, um, just if you love me and you know that you know I want the best for you then I really think that you should do this and for the first time in my life she just straight up said yes (laughs) um and so those were really really big wins this year for me and especially coming back from um that trip in Colorado being able to see her take a bunch of pictures and just be hyped about all that shit it All of this didn't come overnight. And so reflecting on the past four years, I think the first there's a few mindsets that I had to adopt and those revolve around 
like three big themes. So the first theme I think I had to really embody when I was trying to change the relationship I had with my mom was pride and vulnerability. Letting down your pride because pride is such a bitch and it can make us hold back what we want to say um, or even like give in when we should. Pride's always a fucking issue. Like with friends, with significant others, with your fam, and it's the stupidest thing ever. But when you f- when you figure out when you have to let down your pride for a greater cause or a greater outcome, that's when a lot of things start to happen. It's usually when one person or the other is too prideful to let others in or let the other person know that something fucks up. Um, and with that comes vulnerability. So then the second theme that I thought of was around empathy and patience, Um, understanding the other person, understanding my mom and her story so that I wouldn't place the blame on how she raised me, but instead look beyond that to understand that she was doing the best that she could and understanding where my mom come from. She was raised up by, you know, my grandma who was pretty mean. My mom didn't have a dad as well. She had to escape at 25. She had to rebuild her life. And she divorced my dad when I was two years old and moved down to SoCal and raised me up by herself with the help of all the sisters. Um, That's fucking powerful. And having to do that by yourself your whole entire life, I have to understand that I have to be really patient in trying to teach my mom something that she never had the opportunity to learn. Um, Teaching her how to express and feel and actually have a close relationship with someone when pretty much her whole life she's been rolling by herself. Um, So understanding and empathizing with that definitely helped me navigate that better. And then the biggest thing here, I, I think the biggest mindset thing that I had to adopt here was just letting the other person know it's, it's fully expressing yourself, no bullshit, just expressing myself and trusting that my mom can handle what's on my mind because oftentimes I've caught myself filtering for another person because I don't want to hurt their feelings or I don't think they'll completely jibe or be able to handle what I want to say. So in turn, I diminish my words and in turn that diminishes my message and my influence. And then so back to the topic of mindset and the other things that I had to adopt Another interesting thing I had to do was redefine what a good outcome in a relationship meant to me. Oftentimes, we think that losing or being hurt means that we're on the short end of the stick. And yeah, you're going to feel like a bitch, but it's not necessarily a good way to think about things as well. Because what I did was the opposite here when I dealt with my mom in that hurt is what I was willing to endure to get to the end result. If I wanted my mom to be more expressive and to be in a better relationship with me and how she is around her sisters, if I want her to be more expressive and to be able to lean on others, then I'm going to have to be able to deal with being brushed off, disregarded, and not understood. It's It boils down to what... Am I willing to endure to get to my end goal? Um, Which my end goal was to get her to lean on me, to learn to love me and 
get all the things that she never got from her parents. Um, and there's a lot of understanding and being the change that you want to be, Mohammed Gandhi, <laughs> that comes into play here. So let's stop right there and think about that for a bit. Leaning into vulnerability and being the source of under- unconditional love for someone else who's really not quite there yet um, is the way to get there. So my way of doing this with my mom was just being the change, being essentially just a softer person than how tough she was so that I could help her get there. You just got to be the change that you want to see and accept the person, in this case my mom, for where they currently are and be patient enough to see things um, play out the way that you'd like them to. There isn't really a guarantee, but what I'm trying to say is that if the other person is worth it, then you should definitely put in the effort and realize that it can become taxing. It's become really fucking taxing because the other person's going to deflect you. You know, it's hard for my mom to want to receive help and to feel like she can lean on someone else. And it's a common theme across a lot of people. A lot of people don't want to let others know that they actually need the help and that they're actually struggling because it's not a good feeling. But as the person that's trying to help them, I have to understand that I got to be patient and I got to be willing to endure that there's probably going to be some kind of lashback because this is so foreign to that other person. Um, So it it takes a lot of mental work, but the main thing that I want to get to you guys is that I want you, I know that there's times when you feel like you have something that you want to get off your chest, um, but you hold on to it because it doesn't feel good to let another person know. You may not want to be a burden. And I've seen this like way too many times across my friends, their friends, my fam and in my past relationships. But the thing is that you gotta, you gotta take a step towards it and uh, lean on one another because that's, that's the first step to getting what you want, um, to getting a better relationship, to getting whatever, um, whatever that is that you're working through. And for me to get my mom to this point today, I had to endure a lot of fucking bullshit over the years. I had to go from, you know, hugging her, which is really weird saying I love you to her, which is really, really weird too, you know, to the point where I raise my arms and want to hug her and she'd be like, what the fuck you doing? You trying to stick your armpit on my face? (laughs) And I'd be like, no, but like, fine, I'm going to stick this, I'm going to stick my armpit in your face now. You know, it's just like stupid ass comments like that, making it really awkward when I'm just trying to make it right. And, um, there's going to be a lot of hurdles that you jump through, but at the end of the day, if the other person's right, the commitment to the relationship takes a lot of effort and endurance. So I'm going to leave it at that. Um, And I also wanted to leave it at challenging guys with one thing at the end of this episode. And um, it's that think about a person in your life right now where you want to make things better. Um, Instead of letting it fizzle out or putting it on pause, why don't you try to make an effort to let the other person know what's on your mind in terms of how you want things to be better or if you want to check in with them and build a better relationship, take one step towards that. Um, I challenge you to do that because like for me personally, if I didn't block out a time on my week to call my aunt every single week or my mom, I would probably forget. And, And that's just like 
I forget sometimes and I don't do it, but it reminds me every single week, every time I'm fucking up and, um, whatever it has to be for you guys to, to call your parents or to call the people that are important to you more often, um, make sure you do it. Shout out to my, my best friend boss for, um, helping me be a better person to my mom because this fool calls his mom every single day. Um, yeah, the people in your life are important and I don't want you guys to take it for granted. And, um, as always, like I'm here to listen to you guys or, you know, your friends are here to listen to you. And that's the whole point why I'm doing this podcast. My goal is to ultimately create a community for you guys and a set of resources for you guys to listen to when a lot of the thoughts that I'm pretty damn sure you guys think of from time to time are not things that you talk about because it's a little bit harder to talk about. Um, and that's why I'm doing this. And so we did it again. Thanks for listening, guys. Peace.